don't know what else I'm going to do, but, uh, yeah. Alright, we can't start on that note, I fucked that up. Son of a bitch! That's alright. Your Lincoln Lawyer shit was good, and then I was like, oh, the law is awful, meh. That's fine, you can edit that part out. You want You want to try again? You no. Can be like, yeah, it'd be like that sometimes, and then just cut from my thing to that. Hi, my name is Nick. And I'm Kyle. I guess you're listening to the Big Bang Theory theory now. Oh yeah, now you really whiffed on the intro. Okay. Yeah, no, fine. we're getting let's, crazy. Let's let's do this thing. Yeah, we're doing it. I was gonna I was gonna make goof about how I fucked up the original intro and then I fucked up the intro that was to come. Also, I'm sorry. I just I just swore twice right in the intro. If you're new or you're soft or whatever, I don't mean to do that. I'm gonna keep doing it. I'm just sorry it happens, but. Anyway, uh, you know, Kyle, I usually explain the show. Uh, I'm going to thrust it upon you without warning this time. What do we do here? On this very special podcast. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's Reverso Day. It's, uh, it's Carnival? I don't know. The Feast of Fools. Yes. Topsy-turvy day. On this very special podcast, we uh, that is listened to mostly by people who unironically like the Big Bang Theory... If all of the feedback we have ever gotten is to be believed, it's strange. All that we... they, they legitimately like the show, and they put up with us to hear more yeah, about they... the show they enjoy. Like they're like these two assholes do not get it, but it's no, it's we... always good to hear about Penny and the gang. But you know what's sort of both heartwarming and frightening at the same time? They have so much faith in us that we are gonna come around. Like, did you see the comment we got the other day on Facebook? Like, hey, I couldn't look directly at it. <laughs> it seemed too sincere, and I was like, I'm, I can't, I can't deal with this right now. Said, hey, I've been listening to you guys for a little while. I'm a great big fan. One of my one fears in life is that you know you have so much of the show left to go, and you're not gonna make it. But I believe in you, and I'm just so sure that if you just keep listening, you're gonna realize this is a wonderful show. And it was just. So nice. And that's basically everyone who listens to us is basically waiting for us to just, like, admit that we like the Big Bang Theory. And I'm sorry, yeah. but we're not there yet. No. Well, but it is not. I mean, I hadn't really thought about it. I have noticed, you know, the number of people who've come out positively in favor of it. I haven't. I, I can say that there isn't an opposite contingent. Like, I don't remember really hearing from anyone who's like, oh, yeah, good takedown of the show. You're really tearing it apart. Like, I thought that's who would mostly be interested, and that has not at all been the case. It's it's been, like, nice people who are like, you'll come around. So I'm, I'm sorry yeah, in advance. It's like we're those, I'm, gonna, we're I'm those, not going to get less terrible. <laughs> we're like those cynical New Yorkers who move to, like, the heartlands and just, you know, all we talk about is crime and cookers, and they're just like... Ah, that's, you've obviously had a hard life, buddy. You want to come over and have some pancakes with the family? I feel like we're like some sort of Midwestern substitute for the uh, oh, hello guys. (laughs) Like, like we're just out here to be surly and sassy and and do drugs and commit crimes. Oh, Oh, also, this show is about not really the show that we watch. Uh, We... (laughs) Usually starts that way, uh, but yes, as this is the topsy turvy episode, we we just spun right off before we even started talking about the show itself. But I guess we should do that. That's I guess that is the foundation upon which the rest of this this charade Edifice. is. Yes. 
So I'm not going to put you on the spot to do the, the short uh, summary. I'll, I'll do that myself. But uh, today, fellow travelers, we watched season five, episode 11, titled The Speckerman Recurrence. And this episode, I don't know what you would call it, but it's like an archetypical confront your old bully episode. Leonard gets a Facebook request from some guy, uh, Jimmy Speckerman, who was his bully like throughout all of his school, it felt like, like from grade school up and beyond. I don't know. Yeah, he mentions junior prom at one point. So. Yes, yeah, but for so long time tormentor. Uh, meanwhile, Sheldon is watching uh, these. I, I feel so dumb. I couldn't remember what they called it, so I said the science awards. And uh, saying, I believe it's the Nobel the Nobel Prize, but they. That, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with science awards on this one. That's what my gut is telling me. Uh, and he's he's saying uh, demeaning things about all of the winners and their their petty accomplishments. <laughs> Meanwhile, Penny is hanging out with the ladies who who already heard about the bully. And Amy and Bernadette are sharing their stories of being bullied. Uh, and Penny just not only doesn't get it, but turns out that she is not only a bully, but her friends literally kidnapped and tortured someone. <laughs> and so Bernadette no very... one's surprised. The least surprising thing in the whole episode is that Penny was the one doing the, doing the high school torturing. Yeah, yeah, like the 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 fun popular girl like from Nebraska or whatever. She was fine and I'm sure there are many of other people who were not including this woman they literally kidnapped. And so that's the B plot is is Penny is a monster. <laughs> and uh as for A plot, uh Leonard does uh end up messaging the bully back, Jimmy. They go to meet at a bar. All the other bro nerds go uh they say in support of him. But that facade quickly falls apart. They all just want to see him get his ass kicked or get humiliated or whatever. Uh, Jimmy comes and, you know, also part of the archetypical bully episode is that uh, Leonard is unable to confront him directly, at least at first, because, oh, Jimmy's a nice guy. Oh, Jimmy's like, oh, I thought we were just having fun. I'm sorry. I didn't know that we were like a comedy duo. Like, oh, that's crazy. Also, uh, there was, I thought... Another element of the plot that was going to develop but it didn't really go anywhere is Jimmy's like, hey, you're a smart guy. I just need like someone to work on these 3D glasses I want to make. And everyone's like, no, that's dumb. You're an idiot. <laughs> and they discard it. So I don't know why they bothered bringing it up in the first place. I thought he was going to try to like scam Leonard. Yeah, um, I started, is this where we find out that Leonard is actually one of the co-founders of Valve? Yeah, yeah. It was like, I got this Oculus thing. It's like, that sounds stupid. Go away. And, you know, they would have been right. Um, anyway, switch back to B-plot. Penny is hanging out with the ladies, and they're basically trying to figure out how to get her to atone for her sins. Like, I think there was a conversation between scenes where Bernadette and Amy were like, you were a piece of shit. We cannot keep this up if you do not do something. And so... They're trying to figure out some sort of charitable, charitable act that Penny could participate in, and they settle for a clothing donation. Uh, so Penny thinks it's a great excuse to clear out her closet. It has to be reminded it is for needy people. Uh, and so they do end up taking most of her clothes to a donation basket, uh, which Penny then crawls into and starts taking other items from. Wah, wah. Meanwhile, Bully uh, in the A-plot uh, after Leonard, well, actually Sheldon 
confronts the bully about how mean he's been to Leonard uh, in a very demeaning way to Leonard. Uh, the bully steps out, and then at the beginning of the next scene, he comes back and he apologizes. He's like, ah, oh, man, like, I just didn't know. Like, and he has, they had this list of sins that the bully had committed against Leonard, and he's reading through it and apologizing for each individual one. And so, you know, everything's fine. Everyone goes home. Bully comes by because he is super duper drunk. Uh, they don't want him to drive, so he stays on the couch. Um, and then the next morning when he wakes up, uh, turns out the apology was during a blackout and he's still an asshole. <laughs> and so he immediately starts bullying Leonard again. And uh, there, there are two endings to the episode. The ending of the main A plot is uh, Leonard stands up to him and gives him a shove. And then it cuts to Sheldon and Leonard fleeing the uh, apartment, running down the stairs as quickly as possible to run away from the scary giant bear man. And then the conclusion, uh, the, the stinger for the B-plot is uh, the ladies back at the clothing bin trying to, they're, they're first hoarding, realize what they're doing is wrong, give it all back, uh, except Bernadette makes one last run for some cute boots. The end. Oh, that was, that was too detailed of a summary, but... Um, nah, it's fine. Yeah, I don't know. I got carried away. I feel like, ooh, I was thinking maybe since I've started inconsistently rating these, that that's a thing I'm going to make a feature and I'm not going to bury the lead and just tell people how I feel about the episode because this is another one where if it weren't such a tropey episode, I would be more on board, but I thought it was a pretty good episode. I'm going like, I'm going to say like 7 out of 13 on this baby. Oh, really? See, that's because I just, I mean... I guess this one just slid right off my brain. I didn't, uh, like, I was I was bored the whole time. I gave it, like, 4 out of 13. All right. I'm, I'm glad you've what? adopted the system, by the way. Uh, what choice do I have? <laughs> um, what, so, being serious, not to put you on the spot. Well, here we go. Men- you mentioned a couple of times that this was, like, an archetypal Confront Your Bully episode. Can you give some other examples from some other shows that have, like, a similar bit in them? Uh, the earliest one I thought of that I was thinking of during this episode was uh, Ro- there was an episode of Rocco's Modern Life where he found out his bully was coming back to town and he was getting all stoked to confront the bully. Bully shows up and it's like, oh no, bully is now, you know, the Rocco's Modern Life world version of a Buddhist and he's, he's just there to be peaceful uh, and I can't remember what happens. Maybe Rocco does sock him in the nose. I also remember his name was Foofy No-No. Uh, that's something that is burned into my mind for reasons that are too insane to explain. I'm trying to think of any others. That was the first one. Maybe the only one. But I do think that is a thing where Bully comes back, you're an adult now, and what do you do? Because I think uh, it always starts as the bullied is like, Oh God, it's time to confront them and get over my, my torment that I've been carrying with me for years. And then it always kind of farts out when the guy shows up and he's like, Hey, I'm just a normal adult now. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> I'm not still going around like giving kids wedgies or whatever. So like, I guess I don't know. Do you want me to participate in healing your trauma? And it always kind of is a wet fart, but they do turn that around a little bit in a bizarre way when Bully wakes up and is in fact still a bully. 
Yeah, that was one of the better twists, I will say. Yeah. It's like, if they had left it with him just being like, well, bye, that would not have been... I've learned nothing. Also, uh, something about... So, you know, it's it's not surprising that Penny was a popular mean girl, but her thing about having no regard for any sense of, like, charity or or others need or whatever you want to call it is that new that felt like a new trait for her like a real dark trait (laughs) i'm not saying it's bad like if she keeps that moving forward i'm into it but i I was kind of surprised that she was so absurdly selfish yes that was that was i mean not it's i think it was just going to show that like she's sort of i don't i don't want to say desperate is the right word but just sort of it it continues, like, I didn't, I mean, obviously it's bad, but I didn't interpret it so much as her being immoral, as it was just, like, part of this flanderization that we've gotten of Penny, where she becomes, like, she basically becomes more and more id as the show goes <laughs> on. Like, the original version of the character was always kind of opportunistic and selfish, but, like, they ran out of all of, like, the good illustrations of that, so she's just sort of become, like, the person who does whatever her first impulse is at any particular moment. Like, she's also become, like, I don't know if, like, we didn't really talk about it, but she's, like, in the last episode, they sort of hinted that she's a borderline alcoholic now, which, again, I don't think we're supposed to take it seriously that she can't control her drinking, but it is, basically, if you read the episode, it's implied that she has all the girls over... For a night of drinking and then drinks it all drinks all of the booze herself and then goes and gets more and drinks all of that too and that's like what she does every night yeah i didn't think about that but that that is absolutely happened what happened in the last or one of the more recent that would be fun if that were like if she if you did see her develop into an alcoholic but to keep it like a fun light show she's absolutely like a functional alcoholic and so for, like, people paying attention... A Dan Harmon, as we call those. Oh, oh. <laughs> but yeah, so, like, you could see hints in the background or, like, in her mannerisms, like, that show she has a real problem, but it's never part of the show. <laughs> like, like it's she'll, like... The like... Line, it's like the line in this episode where the guy's like, no, nah, it's okay. I actually drive a little better when I'm drunk. I really have to focus on the road. It helps me yeah. focus on the road. Yikes. Which I'm sure is something many an alcoholic has said in their lives. Oh, I'm sure. It's oof. But I just like, I now I'm imagining Sheldon coming over to Penny's place and being like, no, not Penny, no, not not Penny. And you hear like bottles clanging and like cupboards opening and closing before she can like come to the door. But that's, that's because I am myself a broken person and I, I, I need to see other people sad to feel like I can relate to them. No, I kind of, I, I kind of, feel you in the way like the show sometimes flirts with funnier darker like what was the biggest laugh in this episode not necessarily the thing that you found most funny but the place where the audience laughed the most i think it was the moment where when the drunk guy passes out on their couch sheldon is like you know Mm. what would be really cathartic for all of us is in is would be if we took this moment to retaliate against all the people who have ever bullied us by taking this man and now that he is asleep killing him yeah, you know, actually, I was on board with that. Uh, and it was the, just like, yeah! It was it was dark, but the audience loved it. I loved it. And Sheldon, I can't remember exactly what he said. He's like, well, that's what I would want to do. I'm not saying we should do that. But 
Yeah, it's exactly, I mean, like you were saying, another great, if they had cut the next day to he has disappeared and they just never talk about what happened to him again, you know, don't, you can't show the murder, but if, but if, you know, he just, he, last scene we see of him, he's passed out on the couch and they're all sort of gathered around him. Yeah. And then the next morning he's gone. And then the next episode, Leonard or Sheldon is, is leaving the building and there's an officer in the background knocking on doors. <laughs> No one, no one ever, the officer is not part of the episode, but he's, he is part of the world. <laughs> yeah. Like The Wire. It's just stuff that takes place in the background that tells its own story. Oh God. I want to rewatch The Wire so bad. And there's a part of my brain that's like, you don't have enough life left. It's not <laughs> worth it. And then there's the part of me that knows that a week ago I deleted my, I intentionally deleted my Saga Frontier save file so I could start fresh again. And, uh. Maybe I should just watch The Wire. <laughs> I don't know. What else? I think... I feel weird. I feel like we're actually enjoying this this time. That's not right. We're enjoying the conversation. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, is there anything else that needs to get like dug into? Like, Not about the, the episode itself. I just, I just remembered how terrible middle school is. Now, that's like an awful social experiment. Yeah. But Well, so there are two things. The first is, this episode continues the trend um, that I just don't know how I feel about, where basically they segregate all of the men and the women on the show, and they are basically essentially two different sitcoms. That's true. Yeah, with, it's, it's two games. It's like there was so little overlap that the two parts of this episode could have been inter- could have taken place in entirely different episodes or entirely different worlds. That's true. And it wouldn't really have mattered. And I just, like, I don't know how I feel about, like, a sitcom that has so little regard for the interconnectedness of all of its characters. Well, I mean, they were thematically connected. Yes. But it is also true that you could have spliced the scenes in any order and it would have been fine. <laughs> because there's there's no interaction. I, yeah, you're right. I hadn't thought about that. But they they do tend to segregate that way. And, I mean, I always enjoy, like, the ladies' stuff. Like, I think just because Amy is so much fun and Bernadette is great and, and Penny is getting better over time. Yeah, if many, in many ways, that's, the, that's usually the more enjoyable bits. Yeah. Um, well, it's like when Wallowitz or Raj show up, like, they're there now to do, like, one or two line bits. But they're not really, at least in this season, they haven't been characters. Like, they're, they are background objects. Which that actually, I guess that is a complaint. I was going to say which I enjoy, but no, I want to. I want to see more of them like developing. Like I feel, but I feel like the ladies are really the the stars, right? So that's one thing. And the other thing is, the, as long as we're talking about tropes and bullying tropes, I don't know if this is a because maybe I'm I'm talking out of school, and it absolutely is this bad for some people. But I feel like this show does a thing where it's like they can't talk about like what realistic bullying looks and feels like so instead they just make it so over the top like we're supposed to believe that yeah like leonard had this dude who was shadowing him like every day yeah from like when he was in like the second grade to when he graduated from high school who was doing things like stapling his scrotum to his leg and yeah. constantly spiking a, a, a his drinks with laxatives. with a weapon. <laughs> yeah, and constantly spiking his drinks with laxatives. Yeah, well, I think a lot of media portrays bullies that way. And 
So, I mean, that has to be out there somewhere in the world. You know, there's got to be someone who originally had the one guy that wouldn't let him go. <laughs> and all all other bully stories sprung forward from that. But I think my bullying experience, and I don't know if this is unique or, or common, was uh, that I was in a small town. The friends were just the only other kids there were. And I was the weird one of them. And so they, they were the only kids I knew, and they were my bullies, and they were my friends. Yeah, it's they make you feel, like, the, the one realist is he's like, you called me Nancy for three years today. I was like, now that I buy. It's like the constant, like, assuming that, like, any sign of non-heteronormativity is somehow shameful. Right. The attempt to use social pressure to, like, mold every single person into, like, this toxic masculine mess who can't just stick us their own feelings. That is true to the bullying experience in my oh. experience. But. Oh, we just started a different show, and I'm, I'm eager to go on and on about it. I, this, this episode, like, <laughs> and, and maybe, maybe I was annoyed, too, like, about the inaccurate portrayal, because, yeah, like, I never had a bully. I had, like, a bunch of friends who were also assholes, and then... Yeah, they, we were like, oh, do you feel sad about something? Are you going to cry like a... And then they use an incredibly offensive word for a gay person. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. That's, what it, that's bullying. Meanwhile, I'm going home and, like, my mom, like, words for works for, like, the local, like, AIDS society and, like, is de- helping fund, like, pride parades. Like, we were definitely, like, the weird liberal queers in Walkerville. <laughs> um, and so... But then I got to like, you know, middle school and high school and I'm like, oh, here are the other disgusting people who are who will be my real friends. Yeah, then you got that sick jack that sick uh leather jacket or duster jacket thing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That that was a long time feature. Ah What else about this episode? I don't know. That was it. That was my big I mean bullying doesn't work like that in real life i do think probably i will say this they did nail the thing where like people don't necessarily change that much like i think the idea that the person would apologize because they were blackout drunk and then totally revert to being an asshole the next day that's pretty good it's pretty choice yeah yeah i mean i don't know i can't explain why but it felt cheap to me somehow like an easy do over in a way but i do agree with you that that would be i think i'm not going to say more realistic but i'm going to say that it is probable that (laughs) the nice guy you met the next day is like oh sorry i was i drank too much friend juice dipshit i'm out of here yeah (sighs) oh why do people people must really love the show to put up with with whatever we just did and what we're going to keep doing. So, um, You're welcome, friends of oh, the Big Bang Theory Theory. Speaking of loving this show, something that um, I've been very lazily batting back and forth with Kyle is the idea of starting a Patreon. I am going to do it regardless of input or feedback. But if you think that would be cool, like let us know on our Facebook page or something. Like if even one person's into it, then I'll be like, yeah, it's justified. And if no people are into it. I'm, I'm going to do it, and I'm just going to get, like, angrier and angrier as the show progresses, which is also inevitable. I guess what I'm saying is that, like, nothing we do matters. Just give us money. Just give yes. us... And we'll create extra content, I guess. We'll create more of this, whatever this is, yeah, what I other, guess. What other shows do you want to hear all about our feelings on? You yeah. Know? 
Well, we I mean, I was thinking... T- we, I draw the line at uh, two and a half men. I draw the line. Oh. But anything else... See, you're going negative. I was actually... Maybe we could do a mix, but I was thinking we we would uh, spend more time relishing in the things we enjoy. Since that's another yes. thing people seem to genuinely like about the episodes are our recommendations. <laughs> also, the only part of the episodes we full-throatedly and... I mean, we enjoy all of it, but let's be yeah. real. The only time we really feel alive, <laughs> it's is... it is it is the carrot at the, that's held in front of us, like every <laughs> every two weeks. It's like, oh, we got to get through this fucking thing. We got to watch these these idiots not really go anywhere, and then at the end of it, we'll talk about I don't know a cool book. So, uh, yeah, excellent transition to that part of the show. Kyle, I'm waffling on what I'm going to recommend this time. Do you have a solid one to go, or should I should I go in flailing? I do have one. Please take it over. So this is not, this isn't really a nerd thing, except I will say it ties in well. Oh, this is something we could make into a, into a podcast special. I have, here's my, here's my pitch. Cage Watch, where we catch you up on the, on the delightful hijinks of Mr. Nicholas Cage, because he's always doing something interesting. So you just go back. If there's one thing I feel like Nick and I have in common, it is a love for the actor Nicolas Cage and his wide variety of performances across his vast... And I'm going to add a layer of snootiness and say that I think what you and I also appreciate, Kyle, is uh, that we we genuinely love his acting. Yeah, this isn't some... I think, you know, I think if you look at his career, it's amazing how many good performances he's turned in. Oh, yeah. Like, a lot of it is just that he's been in a lot of movies. Like, he has been in a lot of movies. But how many people do you know who have headlined that many movies who can say... I mean, here's what I'm saying, and this is... Well, nobody who listens to this is probably going to get ticked off at this because the type of people who would take umbrage at this probably aren't listening to the Big Bang Theory theory. But Robert De Niro is considered one of the greatest actors of all time. He turned in, like, six good performances between, yeah, like, 1980... And for the next 30 yeah, years. And then, for the rest of his life, it's been, like, Meet the Fockers-level performances, and that's all he's ever fucking done. I feel like Nicolas Cage is, a, is in that sense, has done better, harder work than Robert De Niro, supposedly I mean, one of the greatest actors of all time. I wasn't ready to make the De Niro comparison, but I'm not going to push back either. Like, and the thing that I get a little annoyed by is people seem to, like, really love and focus on his his really crazy, outrageous performances. His Not the Bees. His Not the Bees, like, which I think sometimes is doubly frustrating because he's, like, expressing genuine... Well, not genuine, he's an actor. But, you know, like, really, really well-manufactured emotion. And then, yeah, ignore, like, anything else he does. Like, okay, this so entire got... body of work that's aside from just him him losing it. All right, you're going to like this one. I got one for you, Okay. Nick. So my recommendation is a new movie that has just come out. You can oh, watch shit. You... Oh, shit. I know what you're going to say. You can buy it on Amazon. It's called Pig. Ah. I have no pro- I wanted to see it in theaters, and uh, my friends wanted to see other things. I-, I tried to go to Pig instead of The Green Knight. A difficult choice, but... Continue. I watched... So both of those are good. I have watched both of them. And actually, the review... Uh, I There's a great review of like both movies as like basically uh, like thematically part of like a singular whole, which is interesting, because they're both kind of movies about dudes going on quests. <sighs> um, so Pig... 
is, yes, it's a movie starring Nicolas Cage as a man who, as some, how do I, he's, he's a vagabond. He's a, he's a guy who lives out in the woods by himself, but not like a, not like a, just like, you know, it's set in, uh, Oregon and he lives out in the Oregon woods, like in a shack, like presumably like some real people do. And, you know, he doesn't like to talk to anyone. He smells really bad. It's implied. And he lives out there with his, his, his one companion is a pig that he travels around with, that he has trained to sniff truffles out of the ground. And his sole source of income is this dude who drives up to buy the truffles that his pig finds and takes them down into Portland where there is a thriving foodie scene, right? And so the movie starts in earnest when some meth heads break into his shack bonk him over the head and take his pig. And this I feel like is what really makes this movie sort of interesting is in the way it plays with audience expectations is there is of course so much expectation, right? That Nicolas Cage being who Nicolas Cage is and this setup being what it is, that this is going to turn into like a John Wick clone, right? You're like, Oh, you stole from Nicolas Cage. You took his prize pig. Here comes out the machete. Um, well, I was going to ask if this turns into a really sad John Wick. <laughs> I mean, you know, so in a weird way, it is because it is about him going on a quest to get the pig back and going back into like going down into Portland and getting and like sort of revealing his secret identity. And, you know, I don't think it's that much of a spoiler. Basically, what you find out it. Unlike in John Wick, where he's a legendary assassin, you find that Nick Cage used to be like a really good chef. That's like his secret: is that he was like a he was like a super chef, um, who was incredibly well respected. But now he's this crazy drifter, and so he's just going back, and he knows kind of like who to talk to about where you might find a pig. So basically, that's the movie: is it, it's him? I get is it's him like trying to figure out who has his pig. But what's great about it is instead of beating the shit out of anyone, he ne- like he never raises his voice, he never punches anyone, he never shoots anyone, he commits no violence. Instead, whenever conflict occurs, he just sort of stares at people and stare. He, he gives what is, I think, a legitimately great performance where he just sort of stares into people's souls and tells them really hard proofs about really hard truths about themselves that make them want to reconsider their lives. And when they hear that, they're like, oh shit, what have I been doing? And that's the whole, that's like his whole deal. He just like, he's like this weird prophet who has discovered the secrets in the forest. And it, and it's like amazing. Well, I absolutely need to follow. Thank you for telling me more about it. I'm excited. Pig, everybody. Do it. All right. Uh, I will now give my uh, recommendation, which I've decided is going to be, I'm recommending the latest season of American Horror Story. Here is my relationship this with American Horror Story. This is double feature, Horror right? Uh, I believe it is. I have no relationship. I've not cared about this show. As much as I love horror stuff, I was like, I don't know. It's, it's too long. It's too wide. It's, it's too much going on. I don't care. And that's how I've been uh, for for years. And then a few weeks ago, a friend was like, hey, you want to watch this? And I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever, you fucking... And uh, I'm going to say that it is good, and it's also trash, but it's a lot of fun. And 
it's only I think like four or five episodes into the first season so far, and so as Kyle mentioned, this is a, a double feature, and so I guess what's happening is that they're gonna, it's only gonna be a half season story before they switch for the the second half of the season, and. I'm going to get a little spoilery here, but it is like the premise of this first half of the season. It's all, it's all revealed in like episode one or two is uh, a, a family, uh, a cute, but you know, somewhat troubled infighting family comes to a, a small coastal town in new England. Uh, the uh, father of the, it's a, it's a mom, a dad and a daughter. Mom is pregnant and father is a writer, television writer, kind of does like schlocky network, whatever. And he's trying to make the next big thing up. And so he's on a retreat because this town apparently is where all these other famous people have gone to do their shit. And the reason they do that is because in that town, you can get access to a pill that unlocks the creative part of your brain. But the downside is it depletes so many minerals that you'll become gravely ill afterward. Unless you replenish those minerals, the best resource from which to replenish them being the the, the human flesh. Uh, it's so it's essentially about I don't know creative vampires. I don't know. I don't know how I feel putting Stephen King's whole like life on blast like this. <laughs> yeah, like it's... we all know this is like the. This is like the Bill Cosby thing all over again. We all know where he gets his ideas from, but I don't know that we should be sabotaging his reputation by making such a thinly veiled allegory about his whole thing. God damn. God damn. Uh, so yeah, I can't tell you if it's going to end good because it's not over yet, uh, but it is a lot of fun. And this is a strange thing, um, but I'm, I am going to mention it. I, being... Uh, a social justice weirdo and uh, someone who works a lot with with people on hard times. I felt a little uncomfortable with a lot of uh, vulnerable people being taken advantage of in this show. That really scuzzed me out. I'm not going to say don't watch it. I'm saying it's still a lot of fun. But if you're sensitive to that, that's like one of the few things where I was like, mm, I don't love this. I mean, I'm going to keep watching it. This is rad, but... Ah, mm, ah, mm. So, that's it, but... Uh, I don't know. I think it's on Hulu or FX or whatever. It's on some fucking thing. American Horror Story. And uh, I, I can't tell you about the rest of the series, but this new stuff is fun. That's my recommendation. My, my girlfriend loves America. Well, maybe if you watch the new stuff with her, maybe that'll be good too. I don't know. It's Yeah. We've done it again. We've we've, we've told people what we liked. We, we've talked about nothing. And there was a television show that happened. I guess... What, we just die now? Is that what we... I don't know. I mean, we all die eventually. Yeah. That's that's one of the things Nicolas Cage tells someone in, in Pig that really makes him rethink some things. <laughs>